Patience. There is a lot of areas in my life where I need to work on my patience. One of the things is, is I pride myself on being a very punctual person, but to the point to where it can be a little bit annoying. For example, my wife and I will have somewhere to be or errands to run, and I'll be tapping the foot, pointing at the clock, reminding everybody that it's time to go. It's time to go. And it could be something as little as I said that we were going to leave at 2 o'clock or we agreed that we were going to leave at 2 o'clock, and, and by golly, we're leaving at 2 o'clock. It doesn't matter, right? So, uh, and of course, that's when my, my daughter will remind me, Daddy, you need to be more patient. I'll leave it to your kids, right, to um, call you out. Um, but anyhow, uh, you know, of course, there's, there's a bit of a shift when we get into the car, and, and Courtney's asking me why I'm driving so slow, and, and I have to remind her, one, we're not in a hurry, and two, just because it's the speed limit, that's the limit. That doesn't mean that's how fast I have to drive. So, uh, And then secondly, and this is one that I'm not all that proud of, but I don't, I don't do very well when I have to have any type of over-the-phone customer support conversations with the internet company. You know how it is. Um, and I apologize right now if there's anyone in the room that has that job because I, I guarantee you that if you talk to me, I, 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 didn't, I didn't make your, make your day. But, but folks, the, the reality is, is that we live in a world um, that's all about instant gratification. I mean, isn't that true? Um, we have Instagram, we have Facebook, we have Twitter, and a slew of other social media sites that allow us to get small snippets of instant gratification as we scroll through, right? Who, who doesn't love Amazon? I mean, it's like Christmas at your doorstep, you know? Um, everything we could ever possibly want is at our fingertips, delivered to our doors, and in the palm of our hands, The fast-paced world that we live in isn't doing us any favor in the patience column, right? The world is making it easier and easier to become more impatient. We're slowly being conditioned as people to be more and more impatient and intolerant of any type of delay between action and response, We live in a world where we have the expectation that anything needed should be given immediately. More and more intolerant of moments that pass without the arrival of new stimuli. Think when we're at a stoplight, right? The light turns green, car in front of you doesn't go. You know how it goes. Tap a little horn. I mean, how much time do we really save in those few seconds? Or think about when you pull up a a video on YouTube and there's an ad a 30-second ad, right? But please hear me when I, when I say this, folks. My, my goal here today is to not bash technology. I actually, I actually work in the technology space. That's, that's not my goal. My, my plea is this, and is if you get anything out of this message today, please take this to heart. The fast-paced world that we live in And the more and more conditioned we get to instant gratification, the more and more we further ourselves away from being able to wait on God and exercise 
the patience it takes to walk the Christian life and experience the life and fullness that he has in store for us. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw out a term that, that many of you are probably familiar with if you're older than me or, or paid attention, paid attention in, in history class. Counterculture. Now, contrary to what this term became synonymous with 50 years ago, I would argue that we are the counterculture. Let's look at the definition. A way of life and a set of attitudes opposed to or at variance with the prevailing social norm. Is that not the perfect description of what the Christian life looks like compared to the social norm and direction of what is acceptable in today's world? The Christian life calls us to be the exact opposite of how the world is conditioning us, and that takes a tremendous amount of discipline and patience. God knows that spiritual maturity cannot be rushed. He forms our Christ-like character slowly, one experience at a time. Now, there's, there's two aspects that I'd like us to, of patience, that I'd like us to focus on and dive into today. And the first one is our patience, or I would say, lack thereof. Now, there's countless occurrences in the Bible where people moved before God. But what I'd like us to do is take a look at 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 7 through 14. I'll give you a minute to kind of pull that up, and we'll read through it here. I've got it on the screen. And it says, Saul was still at Gilgal, and all the people followed him trembling. He waited seven days, the time appointed by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattering from him. So Saul said, bring the burnt offering here to me and the peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offerings. As soon as he had finished offering the burnt offerings, behold, Samuel came. And Saul went out to meet him and greet him. Samuel said, what have you done? And Saul said, when I saw that the people were scattering from me and that you did not come within the days appointed and the Philistines had mustered at Michmash, I said, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal and I have not sought the favor of the Lord. So I forced myself and offered the burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, What have you have done foolishly? You have not kept the command of the Lord your God with which he commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. It goes on to say, The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Wow, Samuel didn't pull any punches, did he? And now if you know the story, Jonathan had just defeated the Philistine outpost at Geba, and needless to say, the Philistines weren't all too happy about it. And they had assembled a great army in response. And Saul's army was scattering and running and hiding in caves and fleeing. Saul had very specific instructions from God through the prophet Samuel on what to do that were given to him a few chapters back in 1 Samuel chapter 10. So let's take a look at that. This is chapter 10, verse 8. Then go down before me to Gilgal, and behold, I am coming down to you to to, to offer the burnt offerings and to sacrifice the peace offerings. Seven days you shall wait until I come to you and show you what you shall do. 
So Saul was to go to Gilgal, wait seven days for Samuel to show up, and Samuel was to perform the burnt offering. But he didn't. Look, I, I, I can't blame Saul. I mean, I, I get it. He got scared, right? The situation was pretty dire. The Philistine army was bearing down on him. Everyone around him was scattering and running and fleeing. But isn't that kind of true in our lives? Isn't that what happens? We try to do the right thing. We have every intention of doing what God wants us to do. But then the going gets tough, right? The pressure intensifies. We start seeking the advice of others. We have a timeline on what we feel is our breaking point. And based on that, we feel the need to take matters into our own hands. But when we do that, there's certain pitfalls that take place when we move before God. We saw that a little bit in the, in the, in the verses that we're going to dive into here in just a second. So let's take a look. Pitfalls of moving before God. First, we elevate ourselves to an equal, and I would say a greater playing field to God. I mean, isn't it an act of, I know better? Let's look in verse 11 and 12. When I saw that the people were scattering from me, and that you did not come within the days appointed, and that the Philistines had mustered at Michmash, I said, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I have not sought the favor of the Lord. So I forced myself and offered the burnt offering. My wife and I really like Charles Stanley, and if you're familiar with him, a lot of times you'll hear him say, big eye, big eye. Sounds like Saul had a big eye problem. I, I, I. He's worried about his circumstances and his situation. Second point I want us to focus on is the fact that we miss the bigger picture and the greater results of what God has waiting for us. Isn't that true in verses 13 and 14? Look, and Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God with which he commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom forever over Israel. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sat out a man after his own heart, David. And the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people. Because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you to do. You see, folks... We start using human logic to come to a conclusion on what we think needs to be done, and based on that, we rationalize our actions. Saul knew what he was doing was wrong. He knew it was against what God had planned. Look in verse 12. I have not sought the favor of the Lord, so I forced myself and offered the burnt offering. In other words, I did it against my own better judgment. Now, the second point of patience that I want to talk about is God's patience or his perfect timing. Now, I do have a little bit of a disclaimer here because if you've been to church in the last few weeks, coincidentally, and it was a coincidence, some of the verses that I'm going to show you are ones that Mike shared. This isn't plagiarism. I actually prepared several weeks ago, and I, and I told him as much, Mike, you beat me to the punch. But to me, it just further emphasized that this is something that God really wanted us, Mike and I, both to share. So let's, let us read 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 9, then also 15. 
But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that anyone should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Verse 15, and count the patience of our Lord as salvation. Another translation reads it this way. Bear in mind, our Lord's patience means salvation. The first thing I think important to note is that God is not slow. He's, not, he's just not on our timetable. We should thank God every single day that he doesn't deal with us with the same impatience, timing, and judgment that we as humans operate under. The simple fact that the second coming has not yet occurred is a great indicator to me of God's patience. Similarly, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, God, who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. There's still work to do. Souls still yet to be saved. His work is not yet done. I also want us to focus and take a look back at Luke 15, the prodigal son. Probably one of my favorite stories in the Bible. You know the story well. Again, Mike shared it a few weeks ago and articulated and really kind of dove into it. But what I want to do is take a look and see, see it from a different perspective. What I feel is a little bit of a different perspective. We see the impatience from the younger son who wants his, imper- his inheritance now, right? Goes to his father and says he wants it now. But let's take a look at verse 20. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. Now, I'm not sure if this part has jumped out to any of you before. There's a specific aspect of this verse that I really love. I think the father was looking for his son. The father wasn't notified of his son's return by the son coming and knocking on the door and announcing his return. The father wasn't notified of his son's return by a servant coming and bringing him the good news. It literally says, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. Now, to me, that tells me that he was outside keeping his eyes open for his son's return. I I have this vision of the father having this daily routine where he gets up every morning. Maybe he has coffee. He prays to God for his son's return. And then he's got this routine. Maybe he does multiple times a day where he actually goes outside, looks for his son, anticipates his return. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us how long the son was gone. We, we, don't, we don't know, but I think that we can conclude that it was a long time. In fact, if you read it closely, there's a few little indicators where you can pick up on that. We won't go in that, into that here today, but give it a look and you'll see what I'm talking about. But when the son returned, his father was waiting patiently. Folks, one of the things that I want you to to, to get from this is that it it doesn't matter how far we've gone. It doesn't matter how long we've been away. It doesn't matter what we've done. The fact is that God is always waiting patiently for us. God 
is patience. It's his very nature. God's timing is absolutely perfect. He doesn't want us to perish. He longs for us to be in his presence and celebrates when we are. But he allows us to walk through things in life that teach us, that prune us, and prepare us to come to him in an authentic way. Now, I I find it both amazing and ironic that the most torturous method of execution back in the first century was crucifixion. Think about it. Jesus, Jesus didn't get to choose the method of which he was going to die. He didn't, get to, he didn't choose crucifixion. But isn't it unbelievable? Isn't it unbelievable that the posture, that form of execution forced on its victims, the posture that Jesus held when he died was with his arms spread wide open. They're eternally spread wide open. Waiting for us to run to him. Waiting to receive us. Waiting to embrace us and have us close to him. That's the image I get of the father in the story of the prodigal son. So in my first point, we... we, talk through and walk through some of the negative aspects or the downfalls of acting impatiently before God and his timing. But let's look at the benefits of waiting on God and allowing him to work patiently in our lives. The first thing it does is it draws us closer to God. Look at the entire book of Job, the the oldest book in the Bible. Here's an entire book about a man who literally had Everything stripped away from him. Everything. But he chose to draw near to God and have an ongoing, intimate conversation with our Creator. Secondly, it strengthens our humility. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God that at the proper time, he may exalt you. Develops our trust in God. Philippians 4.19. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. According to his riches, his timing, what he knows is good, not ours. See, folks, when we are patient in an impatient world, We show the world and we show the people the one who is patient within us. So, let me conclude with this. The Christian life is not easy. I know that. And you may have heard it before that you're either entering in the middle of or exiting a storm. I know that to be true. I've experienced that in my life. But I I do know this. It's in and after the storm that God teaches us the most amazing things, not only about ourselves, most importantly about Him. So why do we rush it? I want to read the lyrics to the chorus of a song that has 
recently caught my attention and that some of you may have heard by a Christian band called Switch. And it, and it goes like this. Because even in the madness, there is peace. Drowning out the voices all around me. Through all of this chaos, you are writing a symphony. A symphony. Cassidy Estevez, the lead singer of the band, had this to say about the song, how the song came to be. God started putting these words on my heart that kind of expressed some things that I'd felt and heard from some of our students. How we experience all this chaos in our lives. We experience hurt. We experience pain. And sometimes, you know, it's hard to breathe when all our thoughts are just shouting at us. Cassidy continues, but what is God doing through that? And so we started to write a song that talked about, well, he's actually writing something beautiful, even through our pain, even through the hurt, that we don't understand God is weaving and crafting beautiful symphony. Look, folks, I, I don't know what you may be going through. I don't know how long you've been waiting to get through that valley that you've been walking through. I don't know what madness may look like in in your life. I don't know what voices are shouting at you every day. I don't know how long you've been waiting for that family member to change. I don't know how long and hard you've been praying for that illness to go away. I don't know what addictions there may be in your life. I don't know how long you've been waiting for that career change or for that financial situation to turn around. And I know times get tough. And when that happens, we have a human tendency, like Saul, to take matters into our own hands. Especially for us guys, right? Certainly hardwired to take action and fix the situation. But in the midst of what may be going on, God is right there with us. Where are the areas that you know you have a tendency to not trust his timing? To take matters into your own hands. To act out in order to make the pain go away. What are some of the areas in your life where you can be thankful that God showed you his amazing patience. For me, the answer to that question looks like this. I'm 42 years old. I became a Christian on December 21st, 2008 at the age of 31. 11 years ago, the Sunday before Christmas. And prior to that, I made many, many, many poor decisions in what I call my pre-salvation life. And if it were not for God's never-ending love and patience, I can guarantee you I wouldn't be standing here right now. And I can tell you with all honesty and conviction that it's only by His grace, love, and patience and presence in my life, even when I was in complete darkness, that I didn't end up in much more dire circumstances. 
So I thank God for not giving up on me, for caring enough about me to be with me and protect me during those times when I was walking in darkness. That because of his timing, he blessed me with a beautiful family that I never thought that I'd be able to have. That he had this planned from the beginning and maybe, just maybe, through those experiences where I was walking in darkness, he might use me to help strengthen someone in the future. And all along, he was writing and continues to write absolutely beautiful symphony. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, words cannot express and don't do justice for the gratitude that I have, that we should have, for the amazing patience and grace that you've shown us, Lord. I thank you every single day, Lord, that you're there with me, giving me strength, giving me courage, and providing our every single need, Lord. Help us, Lord, never stop trusting you. Lord, help us never stop seeking you. Lord, it's my prayer that the message that was spoken here today, not my message, Lord, Lord, not my words, but your words, your truth, just resonate here in this place, Lord. Someone in this room can take them to heart And feel your grace, love, and patience, Lord. So, Lord, we trust you. We trust your patience. We trust your timing. Forgive us for the times, Lord, that we've acted out in disobedience and tried to move before you. Forgive us for our humanness. And, Lord, just continue to speak to us and show us the proper way. My prayer that we can leave here encouraged, Lord, by the love and patience that you've shown us our entire lives. In Jesus' name.